to be with you this morning. Is we just needed it to be Mother's Day so we can get good weather. That's all it was, right, Mom? That's all. That's all we needed. Praise God. We got a heat wave coming in a couple of days. Wow, what a uh, time to be alive. We are starting, uh, or not starting, but we are continuing uh, today's series that we are in that is titled "Let's Talk About." And uh, I kind of not struggle, but just thought a little bit back and forth if I should just do a standalone message from moms. But I figured that since we are going through this series titled Let's Talk About, and it's kind of, we're going through different emotions, different types of topics in relation to to mental health. And uh, we know that all of us struggle with these things. uh, And moms could struggle as well. Uh, Moms not only have to worry about the kids until they're 18 years old, right? How many moms say, Man, my kids are 40 years old, and I'm still worrying about them, right? And so I said, let's go on ahead and let's just continue this series. I just kind of moved topics a little bit. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about, in our Let's Talk About segment, um, navigating through anxiety. Uh, This is a, a a, a sermon in which I've kind of preached already here before, a little bit over a year ago, but kind of updated some of the stats Uh, Since we're in this series, and we were supposed to be talking about anxiety today, when you think about anxiety, I don't want to dismiss it. Some of us, uh, depending on how you were raised and uh, which type of uh, denomination maybe, as a Christian or Catholic, whatever it is, you've kind of talked about, well, you know what, we're not supposed to have anxiety. Or anxiety, that's a thing that, man, you just rebuke it and it's gone, right? But anxiety is really, it's real. You can't dismiss things that are not real. You can't dismiss things that people feel, things that people struggle with. And so chances are that if you're sitting here today and you are breathing, chances are if you're watching us online, uh, that you or someone you know has had some bouts with anxiety. Some of you sitting here today are saying, man, I'm struggling with this so much at the moment. You're not alone. According to some of the stats, there are 50 million, at least 50 million Americans that will feel the effects of panic attacks, phobias, or other anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders in the United States are the number one health diagnosis among women. What number? Number one among women. They're second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. So we know that this is a big deal. This is a big topic. The U.S., United States of America, is now the most anxious country in the the world, according to these stats. Americans are more than doubling their spending on anti-anxiety medications like Xanax or Valium. It's gone from an industry that was averaging about $900 million to now a $2.1 billion industry. People of each generation in the 20th century were three times more likely to experience depression than people of the preceding generation. So if this trend continues, what we're seeing is that the numbers will just continue to get higher and higher. And to make matters worse, and this is something that was jaw-dropping for me when I read these stats, and that is... Um, the, that 
adults are not the only ones that are struggling with this anxiety. Some of us may say, well, yeah, adults, adults, of course. They've got to manage their children. They've got to manage their jobs. They've got to manage the food, all these types of, uh, of things. But adults aren't the only ones. You throw in a two-year pandemic, and it just made matters even worse for our young kids. According to psychologist Robert Leahy, he points this out. Listen to this. Listen to this. And, and let it soak in. The average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. The average child today exhibits the same, and listen, listen to that key word. I didn't say that a child who is struggling with anxiety. I said the average child. That means if you've got any kids sitting next to you, they are dealing with effects of anxiety the same amount as the uh, average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. And so what I want to do is I want to do, because I've, I've done, I'm not, first and foremost, I am not a psychiatrist, biblical maybe, you know, but I'm not a doctor. And so I'm giving you stats from resources that I have read from things that I have studied, and what I, my job as a preacher of the Word of God is to take this topic in which we're discovering and take you somewhere in the Bible that talks about it and kind of give you some biblical practices on how to navigate through it. Amen? So don't dismiss. I do, do not dismiss. I, I don't want anybody, as I'm going through this, to say, well, you know what, I, you know, maybe the pastor is, is recommending I shouldn't be seeing a, a psychiatrist. I shouldn't be seeing a therapist. No. If you need that, do it. There's, there, there's many benefits to that. What I'm just going to show you, once again, is going to be a biblical principle that you can add to that. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads really quick before we jump in. Father God, we come before you today, and we thank you for this word that is about to be presented, God, to your people, to your church. I pray, Lord, Father God, right now, Lord, that you would use me to give them this word. And, Lord, I pray that they, uh, right there where they're sitting, whether they're here in person or watching us online, God, that they would, Father, do their absolute best to put aside all distractions, God. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would go on ahead and open up their ears to listen to what it is that you have for them today. That you would open up their eyes to see what it is that you're trying to show them. That you would soften their hearts to receive what it is that you have to give them. Lord, all the things that need to get done today, everything that needs to be to get done to, to, to start and prepare for our week, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would cast that to the side right now, Lord, so we can focus on your word. All of this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Before I, I jump into the prayer, what I was going to say is I want to do what they call clinically a, a assessment. Some of you guys here today are saying, well, yeah, I don't got to pay attention to this. I don't struggle with anxiety. So I'm going to be the person that's going to give you an, an assessment. Sometimes what happens is you sit down and the doctor will come in, specifically if you're being assessed for mental health. They'll sit down and they'll start asking you some questions. Well, in this case, I'm asking you uh, if you're kind of thinking, am I struggling with anxiety? Or maybe it was just a, a one-day thing. So are you guys ready? I don't want to sound like a commercial, but are you laughing less than you once did? Do you assume bad things are always going to happen? On many days, would you rather just stay in bed instead of getting up? 
Do you magnify the negative and dismiss the positive? Those are just a couple questions. If you've answered yes to any of these, then the reality is that this message here today is for you. If your answer has been no to any of them, the message is still for you. Because chances are you know somebody that is battling with this. And you've been called to be the salt of the earth, the light of this world, and you can use these tools to help other people. So you're not off the hook. The Apostle Paul, he goes on ahead and he finishes this letter that he's writing to the Philippian church. And what's interesting is as he's finishing this letter, he goes on ahead and he finishes it with a word on anxiety. He finishes on this word, and as Paul is writing to the church, one thing that's very interesting that is important to understand is that he is not saying, because some people could read this and just assume one thing, he's not saying that they must live a life that has absolutely zero anxiety. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying, and I'm going to read this to you in a little bit. But what the Apostle Paul is trying to address is that as we are becoming more and more like Christ, well, why? Because that's the goal. When we give our life to Jesus Christ is to become more and more like him. We'll never be exactly like him, but God's goal is for us to have conformity with his son, meaning that he wants us to die to our old self. He wants us to die to our old habits. And as we die to him, and as we begin to abide in Jesus Christ, we begin to become more like him. So as we're becoming more like Christ, it's not that we're not going to have anxiety, but we're to avoid the ongoing state of living in anxiety. There's a difference. You may have struggled with one thing or another. You may have struggled with anxiety, and you got over it right away. Or you weren't, you weren't living in it. The reality is there are some people that are living in this state. Some of it is just because I'm not going to say that they want to live in it, but, but, but they're allowing different factors in their life to happen to keep them there. And there are others that are really in a bad place. And this is where we get into needing the help of a psychiatrist, of, of a therapist, and so on. What Paul is saying here, and we're going to read in a little bit, is, is don't let anything in life allow you to live anxious. Don't allow anything in life to allow you to live anxiously. And I want you to think, and I'm, you know, before we get into this, what was the Apostle Paul in the early church going through at this time? I mean, they had lots of reasons to, 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 to live a life with anxiety. I mean, they didn't have the liberty to show up at church at 10 o'clock and the doors wide open and music blasting and, 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 and to come inside the church and begin to praise and worship with no worries except for what am I going to eat after this? These brothers and sisters were, 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 were kind of having to navigate with getting together, with the breaking of bread, with listening to the apostles' teaching, with praying, but also with an eye looking out because they, there were other parties that were looking for them to kill them. I mean, not too long before, they had already crucified Jesus Christ. Paul, who writes this letter, was one in which was going after and persecuting the Christians. He was actually on his way through the road of Damascus before Jesus Christ shows up to him and tells him, Paul, why are you persecuting my church? Actually, Saul, that's before he changes his name to Paul. 
And so they had all the reasons, just like the, many, many, many of our brothers and sisters in different countries right now. Our New Life location in, in, in Havana, Cuba, it's hard for them to stay meeting in one location because they continually get shut down by the authorities. And so the people of the early church, the Apostle Paul, they're probably dealing with all these type of things, with this anxiety. Are they going to find us? Are they going to go after us? What are they going to do? And then on top of that, they're, they're, they're learning the beginning steps of what it looks like to be a, a, a church that is forming to become like Jesus Christ. And, and Paul writes what is a map. This is a map. The Word of God, you can find help in every topic, almost every topic that you, that you need. But right here, he provides a map on how to navigate through anxiety. And so if this is you or someone that you know of, I hope you've got a pen and paper. You're taking some notes because this is going to be very, very practical for you. He shows us this map on how to navigate through anxiety and to experience one of God's greatest promises. I love this because not only does he show you how to navigate through anxiety, but he shows you how to receive what is one of God's greatest promises. And you know what that is? What can possibly be the opposite of anxiety? Peace. People that struggle with anxiety are struggling with finding peace. Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, open them up with me. We're going to go through the chapter from verses 4 through 14. If you don't have them, no worries. We'll have the verses up on the screen. Now, what I want to do really quickly is I want to read you the whole chunk of this and then dissect it. It says this in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 14, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Here's the roadmap that the Apostle Paul lays out for us today if we're struggling with anxiety. And I, I, I get this part here now where I'm going to continue. I got it from a, a piece of a book that I read uh, by uh, Max Lucado. It's a book titled Anxious for Nothing. It's a book that really helped me in a season in which me, while I was pastoring this church, was battling with some episodes of anxiety. And if it was a blessing to me, I know that it would be a blessing to you. But I want to go on ahead. He talks about, he gives this acronym, and if you're taking notes, you can write this acronym on the top of the paper if you like. And the acronym is CALM. CALM, C-A-L-M. And as we go through each and every one of these points, I'm going to go on ahead and fill in what those uh, letters represent. Amen? The first thing that we see, according to this passage that we just read, that the Apostle Paul kind of gives us 
this roadmap on how to navigate through anxiety, right? Because because not having it necessarily is not a thing. We're going to battle with it from one in one area or another, but it's to navigate through it, to get through it. The first thing that he tells us, the C in calm is celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate God's goodness. He says, verse 4, again, he says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord. When? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Celebrate God's goodness. The first thing that Paul tells the Philippian church is rejoice in him. Rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what the situation is, rejoice. Have you ever seen those people that, man, they're struggling the world seems to be falling apart around, alongside of them, but you still have that person that says, man, I, I still, I, I, I thank God. Or I'm so, I'm, I'm grateful for the Lord. Or I praise Jesus, God is good. God is still on the throne. Paul is not saying that it's possible to maintain an uninterrupted spirit of gladness. When, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, he's saying, listen, Listen, Philippian church, he's telling us today, listen, when I say rejoice in the Lord always, I'm not telling you that, that, that you have to rejoice in him only when you feel like rejoicing in him. The Apostle Paul is saying this is a call. This is something that you have to do. You have to make this decision and allow it to be a deeply rooted confidence that God exists, that he is in control, and that he is good. We have to have that mentality. You heard a lot, specifically in the beginning of this pandemic, when people were saying, man, but God is still in control, right? That's a, that's a form of saying, man, I'm still rejoicing in God. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I'm still rejoicing in him, and I know that he has a plan. Maybe I don't understand it, but he does. Paul's prescription for anxiety begins with a call to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord because of the sovereignty of God. Rejoice in God because God's supreme uh, reign supreme over every single detail of the universe. Do you believe that? Even those little details in your life that you say, man, I don't, I'm telling you from experience. Or you go to God and you say, God, man, I, I, I know you don't care about this. I know you don't care about this area of my life. And then I have to realize, wait a minute, but you do. Because one way or another, he's going to show you, I do care. I do care about that thing that, that you don't think I, that, 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 that's too minimal for me. I care about that thing. Understanding and knowing that. And when you know that, you rejoice. Your anxiety decreases as your understanding of your father increases. That's why I say abiding in Christ is essential. You know what I mean by abiding in him? Meaning that, that you are, are, are kind of, the way I think about it, abiding is what? You're kind of becoming one with God. The more you begin to spend time with him, the more, I, for, for you couples here who are married right now, how did it all begin? Did it begin by a long-distance relationship, remained a long-distance relationship, and you still have long-distance relationships? No, it starts by coming together. And as you get together, you, 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 you know, you want to talk on the phone. No, you hang up. No, you hang up, you know. And then, and, and, and then finally you go on ahead and you go on these dates. And, and you, you love to be with each other. You love to spend time with each other. And that begin, began, begins to increase. 
And the more that you guys become like one, the more you know each other. Even though sometimes us guys still mess it up, we know we shouldn't do something, we still do it, and eventually we're going to get the backlash for it. But the, the reality is we knew that that was going to tick her off. Well, abiding in Christ allows you to understand Christ more. Abiding in Christ allows you to understand how he expects you to live. And the more that we can do that, the more we have an understanding that my God that I serve sees all, knows all, and he is all. And because my God is all of those things, then I will rejoice in him even in the midst of chaos. When you understand him, you know that our God is the creator who is blessed forever. When you understand God, you know that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't change. His years will never end. He is the beginning, the last, the alpha, the omega. Anxiety passes as trust increases. The more you trust God, the more you know God, the least you'll be anxious for certain things. Trust increases when your relationship is strengthened. And church, I want you to listen to this, and that is that it's easy to rejoice in the Lord when things are good. It is, but it's another to rejoice in him when, when things are bad. And that's why you need to have these two words. You need to have the words, my God is sovereign, etched into my heart. Etched into your heart, you need to have that, 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 that phrase, my God is sovereign, meaning that my God knows everything. Again, my God sees everything. He's in complete control of every element of the universe, including your life. He's in complete control of everything, including that very topic that is causing you to begin to feel anxious. He's in control of it. So how will you express your joy for God's goodness today? How are you going to express your joy for God's goodness? Listen, the roadmap. Navigating through anxiety, first and foremost, understand God, know God, get close to God, and, and, and understand that rejoicing in God is the beginning step. Amen? Celebrate God's goodness. The second one is ask for God's help. Celebrate God's goodness and then ask for God's help. Let your request be known unto God is what the Bible says. It says this. In the second part of verse 5, it says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. You see, with this verse here that the Apostle Paul is writing, Paul calls the church to, to kind of take action against anxiety. Again, He's not dismissing anxiety. He's calling the church to take action. He's calling you to take action against anxiety. Up until this point, he had been telling the church to rejoice in the Lord, which is key, to, 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 to kind of rest assured in God's sovereignty, to rest assured in his mercy, to rest assured in his presence. But now, now what Paul does is once you've done that, he says, now I'm going to throw the ball in your side of the court. Now it's your turn to act on this belief. He says, instead of living anxiously, do these things. In all things, he says, pray 
and bring petitions to the Lord. Pray, that's the action step. Pray and bring your petitions to the Lord. And some of you may be saying, well, pastor, isn't that the same thing? Pray and petitions. Well, the thing is, there's a bad habit that a lot of us have gotten that we use, really, instead of praying, we're using all of that time to give petitions. But there's two things that are very different. They sound similar, but they're two different things. Prayer, we are to choose prayer over despair. Peace happens when, when people pray. Prayer is a general devotion. The words include worship and adoration. When you're praying, what you're doing is you're giving God glory. When you pray, you're saying, man, God, you're great. God, you're awesome. I love you. Thank you for being who you are. You're, 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 you're praising someone. You're giving adoration to him. You're saying, God, thank you. You, know, you are who you are. That's the prayer part. You know, when, when God goes on ahead and he shows the disciples, this is how you should pray. Our, heaven, our, our, our God who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He begins that prayer. It's not, that prayer wasn't meant for us to repeat. If you do it, it's okay. But what Jesus was showing was that was another roadmap on how to pray. You start off your prayer by what? Giving God glory. Our God who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's prayer. When you're adoring God. Petition, on the other hand. Supplication and request. When we do that, that suggests humility. We're not just to simply make demands like, God, I want this. God, I want that. God, I want that house. God, I want to look this way. We're simply to go before God and with a humble request. Because the reality is this, and some of you guys, opposite of what you may heard, of, of have heard, you've got a beautiful voice when it comes to the ears of the Lord. God loves to hear your voice, and he wants to hear you humbly request whatever it is that you need. He wants you to go to him. So you're struggling with this, this topic, this issue, whatever it is of anxiety. God wants you to go to him with that. God knows it. God knows exactly what it is that you're going through. God knows what it is that you're struggling with. He knows what it is that's keeping you up at night. He knows it already, but he wants to hear it from your voice. How many of us parents, we have things that we know, certain situations that our kids are going through, but we're waiting for them to address it to us. It's the same thing with the Lord. He wants to hear it. What is it that's keeping me up at night? God's telling you, let me know. As you sense anxiety welling up in the inside of you, cast it in the direction of God. You know how you do that? You say, God, I'm struggling with this, and it's causing me some anxiety. I'm going to give it to you in the form of a petition, and I'm going to ask you, I humbly come before you, will you help me in this area? Will you help me in this area? doesn't mean that God's going to make it disappear, but I just said to ask him, will you help me in this area? Whenever that anxiety starts coming in, and you know what that is, you know how that feels if you've battled with it, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't drink. There's a time in my life where I was struggling with this so bad that I would be laying in my sofa just stiff and I felt like I couldn't move. When you start, but before I got there, 
there was some things that I was starting to feel that, was a, that, 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 that eventually led to that. So what I'm trying to tell you, don't wait till you're stuck in it. I'm, I'm telling you, when you start feeling that whatever those side effects are in your body, and you know that this, this, this is starting to cause me some anxiety, at that moment, right away, cast it in the direction of Jesus Christ. Do it so specifically and do it immediately. Don't let it start to grow roots inside of you. Present your challenges to the Lord, your Father, and ask him for help. Ask him for help. Will he solve the issue? Yes, he will. Will he solve it immediately? Maybe, or maybe part of the test is going to be a lesson on patience. That's the way I've always think about God responding to our prayers. It's yes, you know, it, it, sometimes it, it, it's no. Sometimes it's hold up for a moment because I want to teach you some lessons. People of Israel on a journey that should have took a lot less ended up taking them 40 years. There were several lessons that had to be taught through this group of people that he was making into a great nation. And so the first thing, the roadmap that we were talking about to navigate through anxiety, first, we want to celebrate God's goodness, right? The second thing we want to do, according to the scriptures of what the Apostle Paul says, is we want to ask God for help. Don't feel like you can't ask God for help. You ask God for help. He's your father. He's your daddy. The third thing is leave your concerns with him. See, it's one thing to ask for help. It's another thing to leave your concerns with him. Easier said than done. But we can learn that with what he says here. He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God embedded in this verse two essential words that deserve special attention, and that is with thanksgiving. Sprinkled among, a sprinkle among your phrases that you may go to before God, and you know when you say, hey, God, can you please help me? Or when you go before God and you say, God, can you please give me this? Or when you go before God and you say, hey, God, we're, we're, you know, won't you just go on ahead and show me what it is that you want me to do? You Sprinkled along with those words when you go and pray to God, when you give him your petitions, should be these two wonderful words. And those wonderful words are, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what it is that I have. Studies have linked the emotions of gratitude with having positive effects. Studies have linked the emotion of gratitude with having positive effects. Listen to this. Grateful people tend to be more empathetic and forgiving of others and have a positive outlook on life. Those are the effects of grateful people. Grateful people, they demonstrate less envy, less materialism, and less self-centeredness. Gratitude also has been proven to, uh, to improve self-esteem. It enhances relationships. It enhances the quality of sleep and longevity. Some of you guys are saying, I didn't know that to help me with my sleep, maybe I should just be a little bit more grateful. I should be a little bit more thankful. If gratitude came in a pill form, it would be considered a miracle drug. No wonder why God's anxiety therapy includes a big amount of gratefulness. See, we go before God. We rejoice in him. We tell him what it is that we need, and we leave our concerns with him. 
We, we, we leave him with him. We say, thank you. I mean, we, we go on ahead and say, this is what I need. This is the help that I need. This is what it is that I'm struggling with. But, by the way, God, thank you. The grateful heart says, thank you, Lord. You've already given me this. The anxious heart says, Lord, if I only had this. The anxious heart says, if I only had this amount of money in my bank account, I wouldn't have to worry the way I'm worrying right now. If I only had this right relationship, I wouldn't have to be struggling with the areas in which I'm struggling with. That's what the anxious heart says. Why? Because we're stuck in this, well, if I, I wouldn't be feeling like this if I only had these things. But the grateful heart once again says, thank you, Lord, because you've already given me this, and you've already given me that. I want you, church, to, what, what Paul is kind of telling us is to replace your if only with already. Instead of, man, if only I would have had this amount of money, I would be able to get this. Well, thank you, Lord, because I have this amount of money, and at least I'm able to get that. It doesn't, that doesn't take away maybe an issue that you have, but what it does is it begins to place your heart in the right direction. Remember, we are try, we're trying to navigate out of anxiety. When anxiety creeps its head in the door, and if we follow these steps here, if we rejoice in the Lord, if we pray to God, if we bring him our petitions and we give him thanks in all of these situations, the beautiful thing is, God gives us this promise. I tell you guys all the time, there are plenty of promises in the word of God for you. We want the promises. We want the good promises. We want the blessings that God is willing to give to his children. But in attached to all of these blessings, what have I taught you? There are always action steps that need to be taken on our part, in our part so that we can go ahead and be under the covering of these blessings. So these are the action steps. When anxiety is starting to, 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 to beat us up a little bit, rejoice in God. In the midst of whatever it is, rejoice in him. Begin to pray to God. Give him adoration. Give him worship. Begin to bring your petitions to him. Humbly go before him and say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's affecting me. And then go on ahead and give thanks to God. God, but thank you for what I have. Lord, my, my, my son has stopped following you. My son is living a crazy lifestyle, but I thank you that he's still alive. I thank you that he still has breath in his lungs. I thank you that you have kept him safe until this point. You can find many reasons to say thank you. The fact that your life story has been what it is up to right now, there's plenty of things that you can be thankful for that has brought you to where you are at. And if you're struggling right now, trying to think about, man, I don't really got anything to be thankful for. Just breathe in and breathe out real quick. You got breath in your lungs. You have breath in your lungs, which means there's something to be thankful for. And maybe, you, you, maybe you're one of those that, that, that'll go back and forth with me and say, yeah, well, I'm not thankful for that either, either Pastor. Well, be thankful because God has a purpose in your life. You may not see it yet. You may not know it yet. But the fact that you're here today, the fact that you have breath in your lungs, that means that God is in control. And as I preached a couple weeks ago, with just a turn of a page, you can close that chapter of your life and begin a new one with the Lord. If we follow these steps, 
God gives us this promise in verse 7. He says, and the peace of who? Of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. If you take these situations in life that want to cause anxiety upon you, rejoice in God. Pray to God. Let him know what it is that you're struggling with. Give him some thanksgiving for the things that he has done in your life. Apply some gratitude there in your prayers, in your lifestyle. And when you do this, the Bible says that the peace of God, it doesn't say that God gives you peace. It says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the peace Peace of this world, like Jesus says, that's not what he comes to give you because the peace of this world is temporary. The peace of God is eternal. That's the peace that God offers you if you can begin to follow these steps. When we do our part, one lesson that I have, church, uh, that I have learned, church, that is that God promises to do his part. Even in the delay, as I preach on, on, on Easter, even in the delay, God is still doing his part. He promises to place his peace upon us. Again, like I said, God doesn't give us a peace from God, but he gives us the very peace that he has. That's, that's that peace that, you know, some of us, we, I always think of, of grandmas, you know, grandmas that, that you know, uh, that have rooted um, roots in, in, in their faith in Christianity and Jesus Christ. You know, some of these women, man, amazing women or, or mothers, uh, it doesn't matter what's going on in their life, and yet you still see them praising God. It doesn't matter how difficult life is. It doesn't matter, and I'm speaking from what I've seen, from women that I've spoken to, uh, women that, that, that see their kids stuck in addictions, women that see their, 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 their kids just really in bad places, and yet they still say, you know what, but God is in control. But praise God, I love the Lord, and I know that that. that, that what, what, what can we do about it? God, only God knows all things. You see, there's lessons to be learned from these women. There's lessons to be learned from people that just apply this, period. It's a piece that, that transcends all understanding. There's some of us that we sometimes talk to our coworkers or friends, and we tell them the issues. Listen, if you want to listen to my issues, if you got time after service, I'm more than happy to tell you all of them. But, but yet, we still carry ourselves around good. It's not that we're putting a face on. No. What we're doing is we have, we, we've given this stuff to God. We are thankful to God. We put, we've given our petitions to God. We rejoice in the Lord. We give God thanksgiving. And because of that, he's given us this peace that the world doesn't understand. Why? Because it's not the peace that this world gives. It is the peace of God that falls upon us. Because I'm sure as I'm looking at all of you guys here today, you guys are going through some stuff. But you've been applying these principles in your lives. And you know that God has everything under control. And that's why you walk around. As a pastor, sometimes I hear your stories. And I want to cry when I'm listening to it. Yet I still see you with a smile. Because the peace of God is upon you. The peace of God is one of the ways in, we, in, in which we combat against the anxiety of this world. When we go before God, he downloads the tranquil, tranquility of the throne room into our world. 
which results in an amazing amount of cash. We should be worried, but we aren't. We should be upset, but instead we're comforted. The peace of God transcends all logic. Those that don't know God, they can't comprehend it. They can't understand it. But can I tell you that when you apply this to your life and you walk around with that pe- with the peace of God on you, boy, is that a big testimony for those that don't know God. Boy, can that message of you walking around with that peace speak more volumes to your coworkers and to your family than if they're sitting here listening to me for 30 minutes. Because what that does is it, it distracts them. The world says, I want some of that. I want to be able to walk with my head up even though things are crazy in my life. How do I get me some of that? And that easily allows you to speak to them about the peace of Jesus in your life. This kind of peace is not a human achievement. It's a gift from above. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace. Everyone say my peace. My peace I give you. Two times in scriptures we see this peace that Paul is talking about, the peace that Jesus is talking about, is not the peace of this world. Because we all know that the peace of this world doesn't last long. There's peace treaties all the time against nations. That doesn't last. Hey, I'll go here. There's peace treaties amongst each other in families. Someone looked at you the wrong way. That didn't last any longer. The peace that Jesus gives. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. You know what I, what I take from this is I don't give to you like the world does. What, like the, I don't give to you like the world does. I don't give and take back. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus promises you his peace. You want some of it? I know I do. Paul gives us a roadmap on how to get that peace. A peace that, 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 that Jesus is talking about is that peace that kept his thoughts clear and his heart pure as he hung on the cross. That, this was the peace. This was his peace. And not only was it his, but it can be yours as well. So to get to our last point, the roadmap that Paul gives us is one, and the acronym of, of Palm is celebrate God's goodness, Ask God for help. Leave your concerns with him. And lastly, lastly, as we see according to the scripture, is meditate on good things. Meditate on good things. Some of us, we need to, we need to, sh- we need a, spring, a spring cleaning in the way that we think. A lot of us, somewhere in that mind, has that garage or closet or basement is just filled with a whole lot of junk. Some of us need to start clearing it out and start allowing that space because that space in your mind can't be void. Something's going to fill it. Rather you place it in there or the world places it, in there, it, it places it in there. We need that spring cleaning. As a matter of fact, it's amazing because now I don't know what the stats are in this or whatever, but it, there, there must be a lot of junk or maybe it's all these hoarding shows that they're showing on TV, whatever the case is. But now there are, there are a limited amount of companies that you can call, and they'll take your junk away for you. 
you see them everywhere driving down. Hey, call 1-800-JUNK. You point, we take. We need to do this with our minds because when we give our life to Christ, we are not no longer to be conformed with the ways of this world. We're, allowed, we're to allow God to, to renew our minds. And so we need to meditate on good things. And that's why the Apostle Paul says this. He says, finally, brother, so first he gives these steps, right? He says, rejoice in God. He says, pray. He says, to give the petitions to God, right? He says, to be thankful. And then he says, pretty much, hey, we need to meditate on God. Verse 8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, Paul is saying, whatever we think about, listen to this, whatever we think about affects how we feel. Whatever we think about affects how we feel. That's why they say you can have Someone that can be struggling with maybe something mentally, emotionally, whatever, you can go to the room and their room is, you can't even walk in it. And what happens is they, they like to say that that's a direct correlation of, of how that person is mentally or, or, or what stage they're going through in their life. But all of a sudden, if they, if they were to clean that room out or somebody goes in there and clean that room out for them, when they walk back into there, there's something different. They feel refreshed. They feel renewed. There's a new perspective because the clutter has all been taken away. But that's what we're talking about here. Paul is saying, get rid of, get, don't just throw it because you throw it. Sometimes it'll be like, a, what, what are those things called that, that you throw? Boomerang. You, you throw it and it's going to come right back. No, cast it in the right direction. Cast what is causing that anxiety in your life up to God. All right, that's the right place. And then start filling your mind with positive things. Isn't it interesting that what a lot of things we learn about psychology today it, it was written thousands of years ago? Listen up to this. Your challenge is not your challenge necessarily. Your challenge is the way that you think about your challenge. Your problem is not necessarily just your problem, but it's the way that you look at your problem. And if this is true, then we need to be careful on how we allow our minds to think. If this is true, then, then we, need to, we need to really be very careful. Just like many things, this is a discipline. And it doesn't come easily to think positive. There's some people that I, it's hard to be around. Because all they say is, is, is the gloom and doom stuff, man. Oh, man. Oh, it's beautiful today. Oh, yeah, but pastor, in seven days it's going to rain. Oh, my Oh, man, yeah, that this food is good. Oh, yeah, but I know that if I eat that, forget it, I'm going to be in the bathroom all night. And, and, and it weighs down on you. Listen, from someone with experience, it weighs down on you when you are hearing nothing but negative things. Because what you focus on, you begin to become. And so what Paul is saying, start placing your minds in good things. Whatever's noble, whatever's true, Whatever is worthy of praise, put your mind into that. 
focus on those things, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, excellent or praiseworthy, Apostle Paul says, start thinking about those things. Maybe you're like, man, I've been feeling real down lately. Or talk to me a little bit about your friends, how they're feeling. Man, they're feeling down too. Isn't that a coincidence? As a matter of fact, I think since I met them, they've always been feeling that way. Listen, with love in Jesus Christ, man, just kind of spread over a little bit to, the, to, to some friends or some people that are going to be positive influences in your life that are, are upbeat. Get connected with those people, man. There's some people that all you got to do is have one conversation with them, and you're like, hey, you know. You're like a steward, Nancy. Look what I can do, you know. All right, I'm getting off course here. One thing that I want to say as we're getting ready to, to end this is, again, I'm not dismissing anxiety. I have dealt with it firsthand. I know the ugliness of it. I have family members who deal with this, and I know how nasty it can be. But one of the things with the anxiety is that we're focusing on things a little bit too much as if they were going to be, if they were going to happen, yet hasn't happened yet. And so one thing that I want you to ask yourself before you, when, 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 if you're in that state right now or when you start getting around that state where you're starting to feel these anxious thoughts coming, is the source of your anxiety true? Is the source of your anxiety true? Listen to these stats here. On average... An average person's anxiety is focused on this. Look at this. 40%. 40% are focused on, people, people that are struggling with anxiety are focused on things that will never happen. 40%. That means 40% of people who are struggling with anxiety is because they're thinking about things so much that they're never even going to happen. 30% are about things, things about the past that can't be changed. So that means not only are 40% of the people that are struggling with anxiety or anxious thoughts are struggling with things that are never even going to happen, but 30% of them are struggling with things that happened in the past that they just can't change. So in other words, 40, do the math, 70% of the people that are struggling with anxiety at one point or another are really struggling with something that it's out of your control to a degree. I have someone really, I have, I, my wife sometimes, she, she can battle with this a lot, and she can just completely get in a bad place, and, and I have to say, but we don't know yet what's going to happen. You, you, and the beautiful thing, we pray about it, and then next thing you see, it's like, yeah, oh, that was nothing. The boss calls you in. Got, hey, I need you to come in Tuesday. I need you to talk to me. Oh, my gosh, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't eat. Oh, my God, they're going to fire me. They're going to let me go. Oh, my gosh, I, I, I don't know how to talk to them. All these type of things. Listen, man, just, just me talking like that is, is giving me anxiety. <laughs> Maybe it's PTSD or something. That's, that's, that's another week. But the reality is, yeah, you don't know what that's going to be. And you walk into that office. You have a conversation with them. Oh, yeah, we're just uh, updating something, and I just need you to go on ahead and just... Uh, Take this 30-minute class. Oh, that's it. But how many nights of sleep, and, and this is serious, how many nights of sleep did you lose over that week? How, how many times did you not eat because your stomach was upset? Yeah, 
how many opportunities you had to go do something with family or friends, and you said no because you're just too anxious. This, 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 this is very real. It robs us from many things, specifically the things that Christ wants us to do. 12% of the, the people that struggle with it are things about criticism, criticism by others, mostly untrue. 10% are, is about health, which obviously when you start, you, you start uh, dealing with anxiety over health, that just makes your health issue even worse. 8% is about real problems that will be faced. 8%. That means the thing that, 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 that we're really going to encounter that starts to kind of give us some anxiety thoughts or feelings or whatever the case is, it's only 8% the case that it's something true that we're going to deal with. So you have to ask yourself, is the source of your anxiety true? Has it become a reality is or, or is it something that might happen? You need to ask yourself that. You're starting to worry a lot about something. Ask yourself, is this true? Is, this, is the reason why I'm feeling like this, is this something that absolutely I know is going to happen? Because if the answer is no, then what I need to do is rejoice in God. I need to go to God with prayer. I need to have a thankful heart and know that he's going to give me a peace that supersedes all understanding because I don't know if what I'm feeling might happen, might happen anyways, but he does. So I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. If you trust God that much, then trust them with the uncertainties. Trust them with the things that are beyond your control. If it hasn't happened, I'll give you just my two cents on it. If it doesn't happen, then don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. If it hasn't happened, don't think about it, don't focus on it, and I know, I know that it is easier said than done. But that's why we have this roadmap that, that Paul has given us. Because God says, I'll give you this peace, but these are the things that you got to do. The reality is that this anxiety thing is not just a thing of the world. The reality is the Christians, brothers and sisters in the faith of Jesus Christ, they battle with anxiety. They do. As a matter of fact, Jesus had a bout with anxiety himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, the Bible tells us, three times that he wouldn't have to drink the cup. The cup of the judgment, the, 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 you know, the, the sins that were all going to be placed on him. The sins of the world. Everything that he was going to have to go through, everything that he would encounter, the carrying of the cross, the whipping, the spitting, all of these things. He was going to have to take this. He was going to have to have a quick separation from God because the sin that was going to be on him, the Bible says three times. Three times he prayed that this would pass. We see that his heart pumped with such ferocity that when we read the passages, we see that in one of the books, it talks about how he, he, he was kind of having some, some sweats of blood. Or when you do the research, and there's actually a condition that would cause this, and the partially, most, mostly the, the condition was very, very intense level of anxiety, which would go on ahead and, and cause the capillaries to break and start producing droplets of blood that would wipe down, that was probably wiping down his it was that bad for your Savior. For a moment, it was that bad. 
imagine. Some of us get anxiety because the, 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 the bosses called us to the office. Your Lord and Savior was about to do what no other man would do. He was anxious at that moment. But the beautiful thing is that he didn't stay anxious. He entrusted his heavenly father and he completed his earthly mission with faith. He was praying. He was going before God. And how is it? All the stuff, all the practices that we're talking about, he probably put it all in there and he ends that, but let your will be done, not mine. That was that. I give you that stamp of approval. God, do what you wish with my life. He was giving it to God. He was trusting God, his father, at that moment. And he wants to help us do the same. He wants to help you do the same. This passage that we read today, this is a way in which to navigate church. Fathers, mothers, children, youth, teenagers. This is a way to navigate out of living in the constant state of anxiety. You see, because everything you see in this world is do, wants to do nothing but pump anxiety into you. I go to the gym sometimes to work out, and instead every TV has every news station, and it's like, man, I can't look up there. Because it just throws anxiety into your heart. But if we apply these things, God used this pen of Paul to sketch this map out for his people because Jesus knew. Jesus tells his people. He didn't paint a pretty picture and then leave. Jesus tells his disciples, his followers, in this world, you will have trouble. Life will be difficult. Life will be challenging. Things will cause anxious thoughts in your mind. The beautiful thing is throughout his word, we can see different ways in which he wants to help us. He wants to aid us. This beautiful sketch. And I'll read it once again to have it up on the screen. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Calm. Celebrate God's goodness. Ask God for help. Leave your concerns with him and meditate on good things. I can't guarantee that you're going to feel better immediately, but I can tell you one thing, that if you apply the word of God, be it this passage or any passage in his word, you will grow. And you will get through things in a way that you didn't think you could get through. I'm going to ask that you all stand.
right where you're at as you just close your eyes. What I want you to do right there where you are at is I, I just want you to have an intimate moment with the Lord. And whatever it is, if there's something and you're saying, man, yeah, I took notes. I'm going to try to apply this because this area of my life is very difficult right now. It's causing me some anxiety. I want you to go on ahead and, and begin to bring it up to God. Let's start, let's start first and foremost, let's start practicing this at this moment. Rejoice in God right there where you're at. Go ahead. I'm going to actually walk you through this. Right where you're at, I want you to begin to rejoice in God. Begin to speak to God right there where you're at, even if it's just a few words. God, you are great. God, you are good. God, you are mighty. You are merciful, graceful God. Meditate on him. Now I want you to go on ahead and begin to take those petitions of yours as we're in the moment of praying right now and giving adoration. I want you to begin to, to give him that petition. What is it? What is it? That thing, uh, whatever it is that may be causing, or maybe you're gonna, you feel fine, but you want to pray for someone else. What is that thing? What is that situation, that issue that is causing some anxiety in your life or in the life of someone else. Begin to bring that request to God. Speak to him right here and let him know what it is. God, they're, they're, they're talking about possibly cutting down hours, and I don't know how. I'm, I'm barely covering right now my rent or my mortgage, Lord. Whatever it is, bring it to him. God, this pain that I've been feeling right here on my right side, man. Lord, I don't know what it is. I've got an appointment, but it's really starting to allow me to get very anxious. I don't know what it is. Bring it to God. Humbly go before God. And next, I want you to begin to give God some thanksgiving. I want you to begin to tell him, tell him what it is. What are you, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for the job that I have. Thank you, Lord, for, for this church family, Lord. Thank you, Father God, Lord, for this word. Thank you for my family. Thank you for, my, for, for, for these friends. Thank you that although it's not what I prefer to have in my refrigerator, I've got something in there. Thank you that although maybe I may not be the healthiest person right now, but Lord, I do have health. I do have life. Thank you, God. Thank you because my world is going crazy. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, but I know what my yesterday did, and I thank you because you have brought me to this point. Thank you. Leave your concerns with him. Meditate on good things. And when we're being thankful, not only are we showing gratitude, but we're, we're remembering those good things. We're meditating on those good things. And go on ahead and give it to God.
just like that, something as simple as that. Simple as that. Lord, allow your peace that surpasses all understanding to begin to fall on me. God, right now, I pray for your church here today. Lord, I pray right now, Father God, Lord, that you would give them this peace, Lord. Your peace, God. Not the peace that this world gives, but your peace. Let it fall on their hearts, God. Let them take, Father, these basic principles, Lord Jesus, to go on ahead, Father God, Lord, and and, and to not be anxious about things, but to bring things to you, God. Lord Jesus Christ, to pray, to, to, to let you know what are the things that we are dealing with that are difficult in our lives, God. Let us come to you with hearts filled with thanksgiving for what are the things that you have done in our life, Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, let us absorb your peace which supersedes all understanding, God. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be less anxious, Lord. That we would abide in you more, Lord Jesus, that we would trust in you more. And Lord, I pray for those that are really in, the, in this topic in a very difficult spot. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that, that, that your hope would find them. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would begin to soften, ease up that load, Lord, that you would strengthen their hearts. Lord, whatever the tools are that are around them, Father God, Lord, that they would be used, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray also right now as we dismiss, Lord, I lift up every single mother, mother mother-like figure that is in this place this morning. Lord, those that are watching us online as well, Lord, Father, I thank you for each and every one of them. I thank you for the the, the sacrifices in which they have all made. I thank you, Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, for for all the hard work that they have put in. I thank you, Father God, for all the things they are good at. I thank you for those things that they also struggle in. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them today, not just this one day of the year, but each and every single day. Or the people around them, Father God, would always give them words of gratitude. Words of affirmation, Lord Jesus Christ. We know how important these women are in our lives. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would bless them, and that you would protect them. And I leave you with this blessing. Church, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' holy, mighty name, the church of God says, Amen. Amen and amen, church. God bless you. You're dismissed. Don't forget, before you leave, uh, the pictures are being taken outside. Mackenzie's out there already. There's a de- there's a table. You'll fill out your email. You won't get a copy here. You're going to give her your email. Once she takes the pictures and has them all set, they'll email them to you guys directly, all right? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>